Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson. Joined as always by Kevin Zerman. Draft night edition. This is always a I say what time it is because sometimes we do these at midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., one of those types of deals like post-playoff pods as well. Only 10.38, bud. We're doing well. My mind isn't just mush right now, even though I did a live draft blog, which I don't... I think I knew that we were going to be sitting here right now and I wouldn't have anything to do, so... That was my decision. I don't regret it. You and I uh, agreed that about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, if you and I are very busy over the next couple of weeks, that means the Suns had a good offseason. Tonight was a dud on that end. They did nothing in the draft. Dud is strong. I understand that's that's strong to criticize them for not getting back into the draft. Not what I meant to phrase it as necessarily. Uh, John Gambadoro just reporting just now as we started clicking record. Suns spoke with almost every team in the draft. Teams with multiple picks and positional overloads had multiple conversations with several teams about first and second round picks. All the players they liked were gone by the mid-second round. Being a top team, the Suns' second round offers were not as valuable. The way in which I translate that to me is that the Suns were not willing to give up future first round picks for whoever they were trying to trade to get. And they were not willing to give up cash for picks either because there were multiple situations where teams were able to do so we saw about half of the last second round picks like the last 20 picks or so get moved it it was pretty commonplace it started happening like crazy um and that was our, some of those were by the time the Suns' guys were gone, which is understandable. There was a drop-off around like 45 or so. EJ Liddell was the guy we were staring at, wondering why he was on the board forever. He goes to at 41, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, th- to me that just reads that there was nothing in this draft to them that was worth giving up a future first-round pick or cash for in the second round or cash or future first-round picks were not even on the table for them uh, to discuss uh, in the first place. I mean, that's kind of how I interpret how the night went for them. Uh, how would you say? I mean, people... We'll get into it in a second, but I think James Jones did say the we talked to a lot of teams. There are a lot of teams calling them more than usual just because teams knew they didn't have a pick. And so it's a, just an information-gathering process where... They want to see what the Suns are trying to do. And I think without knowing, obviously, their thought process, but do know uh, what types of player they like and what type of situation they're in as a team. Like, end of the first round, there was, like, four guys within six picks who were, like, one- or two-year-old, like, college players who couldn't shoot above 45% from the field, who couldn't average 10 points who didn't look good when they were in college, who went. And it was kind of like, what are there not super seniors from the COVID years who were productive college players? I mean, the the steal, the draft, it went pretty... By the books. By the books, aside from Ben Caro going one instead of Jabari... Dalen Terry at 18 was probably a bit high for some people. I would have put myself in there as the U of A had yeah. Benedict Matherin at six. I don't see him that high. I think it's a couple spots, but that's being picky. AJ Griffin fell to 16 out of Duke, but that wasn't yeah, yeah. again like that's not like a huge plummet. Like that's not crazy for his range. Shaden Moore sh- fell a little. I don't know. No, Wendell Moore went a little bit higher than we expected. Really? He went like 26, and I think 30s I see, for him was something yeah. I saw. But no, there was nothing really surprising except Liddell, which you're getting but to. But like, right? when you look at the production of the guys in the second round, like the Warriors picked Ryan Rollins, who I didn't know, and I looked it up, and it's like, oh, sophomore who averaged 19 points a game. That's great. Shot 50%. Passes, rebounds, does a lot of stuff. And that was like the... I, I felt bad for Jay 
Billis because he was just saying all these guys are potential picks and he was Caleb trying- Houston, Max Christie, oh. Jaden Hardy, he was trying not to Chandler, be mean. Bryce McGowan's. Peyton Just Watson, like... Trevor Keels. Peyton Watson went 30th. He averaged three points per game or something. Josh Amanat, I believe it's uh, pronounced. Anyway, so I totally get if you get to the end of the first round, you're like, all of our guys are gone in this draft. Um, Especially knowing the types of guys. They're not going to pick guy who averaged 3.2 points a game in, at UCLA. So... I, that's about it. I don't have any. I can't tell you what they should have done better. No, nah, this was not when when Montrez Harrell was falling in like the mid first round that draft. I was screaming to the heavens, please go get this guy. <laughs> uh, there was nothing like that. I didn't feel that way about EJ Liddell. I felt like he should have been picked in the late teens and he went 41. Yeah. Which tells me medicals or tells me, hey, there's a DeAnthony Melton situation. We all thought DeAnthony Melton was good. He went in the 40s and guess what? He was good. He got moved today tonight as well. That was the most notable trade that occurred. There weren't any crazy trades. The Knicks did one where they got like three future protected first-round picks. And again, with protected picks, we don't know uh, what the value is there, how the trade is to be evaluated until we know what the protections are, and we don't right now. We can go into the draft a little bit more later with with, uh, all of the fits and things that we liked because we talked a lot about it before. One from a son's son's angle before we go to... Uh, the ESPN article and the oh. charity softball game fallout and what James Jones, the GM, had to say after uh, the fact, including something on the ESPN article. When I wrote our pieces, I highlighted these selections that could be involved in DeAndre Ayton signing trades later, potentially. Like it made yeah, sense we should hit on those now. The Fun. only ones that I saw that really set off anything in terms of potentially being Sunsy guys is Ben Matherin at six, but I think like the sixth overall pick in a prospect like Ben Matherin is too much to give up in a deal like that. I don't know if you agree or not. Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor, of course. Everyone knows I gushed about him last episode, and there he is going to the Spurs at nine. We've heard Pirtle and nine and someone else talked about for a bit now. There would have to be more salary, a little bit Keldon, more. Keldon, because he, he and Keldon would be crossing over, right? Indeed. Other than that, though, buddy, I, I didn't really. I kept saying to you, like, I, it was like I was a skating judge. Can I say, yeah? Blake Wesley went twenty-five, and I told you like four point six in terms of out of ten on like a sun scale. It's like all these guys, like Malachi Branham. It's like he's a three. Like it's mm. they, he's not their type of guy. A a score a a potential scorer. I think the way that they phrased Max Christie was potential shooter as his one <laughs> skill. And that was my running joke. Is like EJ Liddell has two NBA skills right now. He can score and he can block shots. And all these guys are getting drafted who don't have a skill Patrick yet. Patrick Baldwin Jr. can get a shot off anytime he wants. He hits the rim all the time. It goes in 37% of the time or whatever. So second round we're looking like Jalen Williams. That was someone that they worked out. And then Dwayne asked James Jones specifically about Jalen Williams out of Arkansas, the center. And he spoke highly of him. But then like Caleb Houston went to the Magic. And I was like, there's no shot the Suns are getting that pick. Because there's no way that they're getting him. Um, Kennedy Chandler went at 38 to tennis uh, out of Tennessee to San Antonio. Again, that's like a four on the Suns scale. No one really popped for me that went anytime soon until EJ Liddell at 41. Uh, to New Orleans. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but obviously, like New Orleans, I think is a pretty big winner here. Uh, getting Dyson Daniels for them, really Ooh, great fit. Yeah, and then Liddell that late is uh, pretty sweet. Even if he doesn't um, turn out to be anything, and his Kellen, red flags are real. A lot of upside there for a 21 year old who doesn't have a lot of upside, but there's a lot of upside with his skill that he already has. You can look at upside in different ways. Can I bring up a thing that you can tell me on a scale from one to ten how much it was a joke? Sure. But the trade where Duran went, what was it, somewhere, and then to the Knicks, and then rerouted to the Pistons Mm. center for a team that apparently is atop the DeAndre Ayton, uh, once DeAndre Ayton list. Screen set a rim runner very much like a five. Jalen Duran is a center. Just throwing this out there, if you're like, oh, they got a center, they're good. He's very raw one. Two, Kellen says to me, oh, yeah, now DA can just play power forward. Jeremy Grant's not there. Uh, I was kind of joking. Kind of joking, like a five. You don't know if you're joking. Nope, no idea. But could be very serious. But then, I wouldn't bring this up probably, but Kendrick Perkins went and said it, basically. Like, Troy Weaver knows he's going after DA. 
And I'm just saying, if you want to attract DA to go to Detroit, no offense, Detroit, but they got Jaden Ivey. They have Cade Cunningham. They have some fun guards now. You want to tell him, hey, you don't you don't even need to average a block a game. I mean, someone might have told him that this past season too, but... This is shooting fish in a barrel, but Kendrick Perkins, 20-10-3 was his stat line projection for DeAndre Ayton <laughs> and that three folks, not assist, blocks. How many games do you think DeAndre Ayton had three blocks in this season? Two. Two. Yes. I've gotten something right See, for once. I always ask you these off-the-top <laughs> questions where you are put in a horrible spot and... I'm training you and getting yeah, you better. I'm getting better. Um, that, that was yeah, a I funny did. joke by you because Da. Well, would Detroit not be joking when Detroit goes after him is like you're not going to play center, buddy, and he'd be like, "Excuse me, just I don't even care what the money is." Yeah, where do I sign? Detroit infamously during the 2020 off season, there was a couple of these where it wound up being like a trade for salary and it wasn't a real thing, but then they had like a lot of bigs on the roster like a lot like they wound up with like Jaleel Okafor and Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Stewart <laughs> and Kelly Olynyk. like they had one of those uh but their their roster has like cleaned out but they did have one off season where they had way too many centers and it was like what are they doing so I I, I cite that as a bit um, a bit brief of, like brief context on that I don't know yeah anyway some to th- chew on um James Jones said nothing's changed obviously he can't say i've been talking to those guys and he probably hasn't been but he said um we want to keep it together so that was kind of a strong statement i guess cam johnson and mikhail bridges voiced their support for their teammate to return mikhail said deandre is his bestie yeah kellen went to the softball game and chris paul was praying on mikhail bridges like a defensive matchup nightmare situation jackson hayes pigeon all over again (laughs) <laughs> I should have said that. I should have said he was the pigeon to him as he walked out. I wish I would have thought of that. Um, Chris, very Chris in terms of the way he answered the DeAndre in questions. Control what you can control was his advice to him slash his... He was asked... Spend time with your family. <laughs> yeah, so he was asked um, what advice would you give him and what are your general thoughts on it as well. So I couldn't tell which one of those. he What what he was saying were his thoughts and what he was saying was DeAndre, like what DeAndre should do. So I just assumed because I wasn't sure. Control what you can control. It's a good problem to have if it is a problem, which he means like having all of these, I would assume what he meant, again, we have to assume here, all these good players we have, we have to pay all this money to them. If it is a problem to pay all these guys, it's a good problem to have. Then he said just spending as much time with his family as possible. Said that a couple of times. And then when I asked him about feeling good about seeing teammates get rewarded, he said it feels great to see it for everyone. But at the end of the day, it's a business. What's good for one guy might not be the best thing for someone else. Which you don't have to read into. My I, <laughs> Twitter sucks. Uh, I love it. I've said on here, I will be around for the end of time. But one of the reasons why it sucks is because when you tweet something, someone will try and read into it that there's something beyond it. And there are some people who tweet like they want their tweets to be read into, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I just tweet what I'm saying, man. That's it. I'm not trying to leave any like hidden kind of stuff in there. The Lakers signed filled both their two-way spots in less than five minutes. And I was like, wow, look at that. Getting business done quickly. I just tweeted that. I'm not subtweeting anyone or talking about <laughs> anything else. I'm just saying, hey, look at that. That's how you do it. They right know there. what they want. Good job by them. They did it last year with Austin Reeves and Joel Iai, and they did it again this year with a kid out of Syracuse and then Scottie Pippen Jr., I believe. And Sharif O'Neal. On their summer league team. On their summer league team. That was a... Uh, Classic move by the Lakers. Oh, man. Who's the other... The third ball brother. I already forgot. LiAngelo. Oh, yeah. That was like the... I remember Lee Why Angelo, didn't they go get Ron Harper Jr.? What's happening? What Has Kofi Coburn signed yet? I'm, I'm upset. <laughs> Christian Coloco didn't have to do him like that. Just completely tank his draft stock by dominating him in that fashion. Yeah. Christian Coloco to the Raptors was super focused. Okay, oh we'll talk gosh, about that later. Yeah. All right. Nothing else to talk about from the charity softball game, I think. I think we're good. Can you tell me what DeAndre Hopkins had in his bloodstream? No, because Cam Johnson was talking, and then Chris Paul walked right in front of me and was looking at me like, okay, let's start talking. I was like, yes, yes, sir. How's your summer going? And we talked for a couple of minutes. We would need 
MLE, what, what's called MLA formatting? Is that what it's called? Like when you were in high school and college and you needed like citations and stuff yeah, in, your, in your papers? I think. We would need all that jazz, three hours to break down this ESPN piece oh. on... Here's the title of it. Go if you've been it. living under a rock, you can go read it, or you can't because it's behind a paywall. <laughs> <laughs> How the Phoenix Suns plan to nail the draft, NBA draft, dot, 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 by mostly ignoring it. It is a piece by Kevin Arnovitz of ESPN, a longtime fantastic uh, NBA writer. It is an extremely well-written piece. It is incredibly long, and it is, holy moly, is it weird. It is a weird, <laughs> weird piece, and... We will talk about it here for a bit, but just know that there are certain layers to this that we won't get into. And like I said, we could sit here for three hours to talk about this. And if we really wanted to give it justice for how much we wanted to really get everything out of this, we would talk about it for three hours. We're going to talk about it for not that long. So here's the reason why it's weird, Kevin. There Mm -hmm. are many reasons. I think that's where we should kind of boil a conversation around just with how weird this thing is. I mean, one of the weirdest parts about it, first of all, to be like on current topics is that tonight James Jones was asked the the article to me. And again, this is going to make it sound like I'm I'm someone who vomits out aggregation and I'm not doing the article justice with what it's trying to do. But I don't think you would disagree. And you did not when I wrote the story for us on ArizonaSports.com off what James Jones said. The article insists that the Suns have unorthodox draft practices. I think that's the best way to kind of paraphrase and kind of in five words for a 3000 word article, say what it is. A quote from Sun Senior Analyst of Personnel and Team Evaluation, Zach Amundsen, said by the time the Sun's scouting process is finished, their quote-unquote draft board only has five to seven players listed, and the board, quote-unquote, would be a mockery to other teams. Well, again, we're going to just slowly add why this is weird. This is by far the most amount of Phoenix front office members I've ever seen in one article before, ever. It's not close. There are things that James Jones says in this article that I can't believe, not just because of what he is saying, but the fact that he is saying it. Because I looked at you during portions of his Zoom today, and I was like, this is the same guy that said he probably wouldn't have drafted Devin Booker, which is just a crazy thing to say. It's a crazy thing to say. (laughs) Now, James Jones and Devin Booker have what I assume is a tremendous relationship, and he can say something like that and not have it be an issue, of course. That's not what I'm saying. But just to say that is, is like... Usually you don't say that kind of stuff, Kevin. You don't say you wouldn't have drafted the face of the franchise and who has been the face <laughs> of the franchise who you're about to probably give $200 million more million to. But he, he said it, and it's the same guy who in our Zoom conferences and all that kind of stuff like usually doesn't really say that much at all. It was so that uh, part of the weirdness. Phoenix's draft board, that's what I was getting to, later described as quote-unquote sparse and tedious in the piece and said to be a practice that the Suns have quote-unquote sworn off. So the draft board is painted in this certain way, where it's just weird and unorthodox and different and unique. It is not just 10 players or 8 players just on the board, and that's it. At least that's the way that James Jones made it sound when he talked about it after the game or after the draft. James smiled and laughed as he began to answer the question, which ended with Craig Fui asking... Is it like less than 20 players on your board? Like, what are you working with here? And he said, nah, man, we have every player that's in the draft processed on our board. When you get down to it, if you look at the combination of fit, skill set, talent, need, you typically get down somewhere about 10 guys who you know are really high-level fits. After that, you're talking about degrees of fit and how much time, how much energy, how many opportunities guys will need to assimilate and kind of get acclimated to how you play. The second part of this quote is where we get more into what we're talking about. So you just prioritize and you put them in tiers. But I think when you go into tonight, you have all of those players, but you truly know there are about 8 to 10 guys that you can say are truly Suns players that from day one will come in and not have very many issues getting accustomed to or getting integrated to what you do. I think that is much different than what I interpreted the Suns draft board being when I read the article, which... Kevin, we're adding to the weird list. It's weird that the one time that the Suns open their doors and are just incredibly detailed and it's intricate about everything that they do and how they philo- like philosophize things, adding another thing to the weird list, that other front offices are going to read and be like, oh, this is how you do stuff, so I'm going to use this against you in negotiations for picks and salaries and free agency and trades and all this kind of stuff. For them to pick this article... 
that gave me, I, I don't consider myself a moron, Kevin. I consider <laughs> myself an idiot with a lot of things. Reading an article and getting to tell what the point of something is, is not one of them. And the point of this article is to say how unique and different the Suns draft strategy is. And the big takeaway for me, amongst many other things, uh, a article that includes a lot of what we know. They don't like freshmen. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we knew that. They don't like raw guys. Yeah. They don't say potential. They say capacity. Great. He's read he's read too many like leader books when we talk about The article anyway. including by like I listened to all of our hosts talk about this, like everyone in interpreted this as oh, they just have eight guys cuz someone replied <laughs> Scott Chasen, our buddy, covers Kansas stuff. Kansas hoop. Shout out to Ochai Abaji to yeah. Cleveland. We love that fit for him. Christian Brown in Denver. Mm. Good stuff there too as well. You can question Christian Brown going to 21. You can't question Congrats that it's a good though. fit. Yeah. Like Mike Malone, Michael Malone. Michael. <laughs> not not the way you want to say his name. Not the way you want to say his name at all. Great fit though. <laughs> he joked, "Do you can you ask if Chet Holmgren was even on their board?" Ugh. And what James is saying is, "Yes, he's on our board." But we break it down into tiers, and at the top tier is that there's this what I understood from his answer was we have a top tier it's five six seven eight nine ten guys that are sons guys cam johnson was a sons guy and then a little bit later like okay these are guys where there are a little bit more question marks there like okay where would they play how long would it take them to get ready that kind of stuff this and does it goes explain on on. the cam johnson pick though oh right. absolutely no absolutely so but again the weirdest part of this is that the one with eight of their 14 front office members or whatever. I didn't count how many front office members. I mean, at least five or six in there. The The article kind of got it wrong. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? This, yeah. Isn't that nuts? Don't think they'll do that again soon. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, it was based off the quote, and I think... There were other phrasings around that quote where it's like, okay, Zach, our bud Zach, could have just been speaking. I don't know. Is, is that hyperbolic a little bit? Amundsen? Yeah. Yeah, sure, I guess. I'm, but I, but again, I, other bits. I read for a minute and a half yeah. things from the story because I went through the whole story and made sure that I wasn't just making this up in my head. Like, yes. again, I'm yes, an idiot, yes. but not an idiot. Yeah. Any other? Did they, did, okay. What else from the article puts you? I think a lot of Suns uh, fans read this and were worried yeah, about it. Yeah, because the way that I interpreted the the draft board question was okay. When this team needs to rebuild in five years, right? Do you, does they'll James just Jones draft only... seventh men and fifth men and third men over and over again? And the and the notion of star capacity, not potential, Kevin. Yeah, is not something that because. I mean, I could just go through draft after draft of like, here are all the all-stars, and here are all the all-stars who were freshmen, and here are all the all-stars who averaged less than 10 points per game. Here are all the all-stars who came off the bench when they were in school. I mean, you know what I so mean? Like, I don't... The, the big premise for me that is bothersome is with the book and the Giannis examples, because if you say, yes, we don't waste our time when we look at a guy and we say he has an attitude problem, we're not going to write a three thousand word report on him and interview all his family members whatever at some point if you're like look this guy's not worth our time we'll have a brief profile on him that's fine that's that's saving time that's efficiency right you have a small staff you got to be um if you want to say we have technology which he's said in the past we can watch people overseas like i watched luka Doncic overseas though when i was sitting in my apartment and I could tell he's really good, so that's fine if you go do that. But like when the Giannis example comes up, especially more than the book one, I think when there's no one gets overlooked. Like I watched Hustle. Congrats to me. No one gets overlooked these days. Like in Hustle, like Giannis was known from a relatively young age. I guess older than most, but he was raw. Bo Cruz would have been found on a TikTok or something, right? Adam Sandler just can't walk on the street and find this guy. Like right. The movie indicates. Yeah. So in a Giannis situation, like Jonathan Gavoni knew about him probably before a lot of other people. But if James Jones would find out through Jonathan Gavoni, 
and I'm sure they did do this, he went, I don't know if Ryan McDonough went, and he watched him. But when you have that type of prospect, if you're picking in that kind of range, you would have to do a report on that dude. Why would you not do a report on that dude? That's what I don't understand. And why you don't allocate resources just because you don't, that's not what you do. That's what I don't understand. Jones readily admits that if another un, uh, unformed Antetokounmpo is toiling in obscurity in southern southeastern Europe, the Suns wouldn't give him much of a look. He concedes that rarely does a franchise superstar enter the draft as a plug-and-play talent. That's my point. Think Dwayne Wade or Stephen Curry, ready to contribute immediately. He appreciates that it's easier for a team in the win-now stage of its life cycle to roll its eyes at the faith other franchises place in the draft. But in Jones's worldview, a franchise should exist in a perpetual state of win now with a combination of ready-made players, be they undrafted or undrafted, and the right veterans who can support them. He even confesses that had he been at the helm of 2015, he probably would have passed on Booker. That one's different because... So, it, the problem is... You would have missed Booker. If you're in a win now, if you're in this win now, looking over potential capacity, whatever you want to call it, you're going to be the Indiana Pacers. You're going to be picking 10th or 20th every draft. You're going to be getting 35 to 40 to 45 to 50 wins every year. You are not going to have a guy unless you get lucky. What did the... You would have to get incredibly lucky to get a superstar who was like ready right away, and it, it would just take all these qualifiers that would... Be ridiculous. Uh, one of my least favorite part of this article that I can just say, I I used this phrase last week. I'm going to use it again. I'm going to say the quiet part out loud. I don't know if anyone has flat out said that the Suns are wrong with this article. The Suns are wrong in at least one part of this article. Let me pull it up. Internally, they regard 27-year-old Danish guard Gabriel Ife Lundberg, whom they signed in March, as this year's draft pick, tantamount to what they would have could have obtained with the 30th selection, which went to Oklahoma City in the Chris Paul trade. Uh, we know that EJ Liddell was available already. Kevin, is EJ Liddell a better NBA prospect than Ife Lundberg? Yes. Kevin, uh, they had the 29th pick in last year's draft. He mentions this in the sentence prior, which is used to similar thinking here with Ife Lundberg. Who did they play in the first round of the playoffs? This year, the Pelicans. Who was one of their four best players as a rookie? Herb Jones. Who would have played for them in the playoffs right away as a rookie? Herb Jones. Who did not play for them as a rookie in the ros- in their roster? Wait, this year? Ife Lundberg didn't even make their playoff roster. Yes. Okay. They didn't even add him to their playoff roster, let alone the fact that he didn't play in the playoffs. He couldn't play in the playoffs because they didn't add him to their roster. The Chicago Bulls picked Io DeSumo a couple picks later. He is a better point guard right now than campaign is. It's not it's not an argument. Again, so like a, comparing Ife Lundberg to Herb Jones and Io DeSumo is crazy. It's nuts. It's wrong. Yeah. They are incorrect about this. Basketball and sports is all about this opinion of is Kevin Durant or LeBron James the best player in the league right now? Is Michael Jordan the GOAT? All this stuff that's argumentative and discussion-based and we can lean certain ways. They're just wrong about this. Yeah. They are. And if that is an actual legitimate philosophy that they're using and not just some offhanded thing that aren't of its heard that is plugged to be more like a philosophical, again, not an idiot but an idiot over here, Kevin. I'm going to keep reinforcing that. I read this like it is a philosophical thing in their front office. Hopefully it is not for them. Because if it is, it's wrong and it's a huge way to just whiff on things. There is another, after tonight, oh boy, after tonight, there is a clear, clear philosophical view that they have that is not covered in this piece Another part about this piece we'll get to in a second that I just thought of. that The the part that actually makes me mad about this piece, that upsets me. They do not prioritize the G League because they don't have a G League roster. But more importantly, they do not prioritize two-way players. It's kind of crazy because they had a two-way player on their roster last year make their playoff roster. So they have now seen the importance 
of using the spots, one, just using them, and then two, how they can turn into NBA players down the road. Because it seems like Ish is going to be back. We would assume Ish is going to be back. Yeah. The Lakers, in five minutes, had two guys signed on their two ways when the draft ended. The draft ended, and we already find out Jamari Bouye is with the Heat. Already. Done. Just like that. Lou Dort, done. Austin Reeves, done. <laughs> there have been... I would I would really want to find a list, and I hate that I don't have it in front of me for the point that I'm trying to make, but what there have been probably like a half dozen to a dozen NBA rotation players found during these 15 minutes where the draft ends and there's a flurry of two-way signings. And there have been a handful of NBA players already found in that process. The Suns do not take part in that process. As of right now in this recording, they have not signed anyone to a two-way deal yet. And the best two-way talent is available right now, and they don't do anything. Why don't they do anything? I don't understand. But again, black and white here. Shades of gray. It made Breaking Bad an excellent show. (laughs) It's what it was all about. You love Walter White. You hate Walter White, whatever. This is just black and white, buddy. Like they're just wrong on this. They're incorrect. My and that that's the thing too, where if you're cutting costs in your development scouting department, cutting costs by not having a G League team, cutting costs by not playing to not paying and having two way players, um then that that is when you add all these things up, yeah. That is the big underlying thing here. It's about Arnovitz, money. Arnovitz kind of alluded to it in the story just a smidge bit and just said, like, is this if again, you're, the, if you're the, trying to build a winning team and you will not pay to get a look at a two way guy, not pay to have what probably isn't the most expensive operation of a G League team in Prescott Valley, or if you want to move it here, that's fine. Um, That's where it gets into, okay, well, you're not doing everything to win. Because, and people are making the, oh, well, Miami, James Jones learned and talked about it a little bit today. They learned from the Pat Riley model. And in the story, there's a Pat Riley quote that's like, I'm not a draft pick guy. Have you seen that team lately? Do you know who Dwayne Wade was? Do you know who Bam Adebayo is? Tyler Hero? Bam, by the way, is like an excellent... I was um, like a Suns front office scout with this where Bam was a one and done. I was like, what is this dude? Like, what does he even do? Yes. He he wants to handle the ball, whatever. We didn't like see it. And then it turns out like he's an excellent player who had a ton of potential that I just didn't see. And I ranked him in like the 40s in that draft, I think, when I had a big board. Here's the part, Kevin. When Jones is assessing the trade-offs of devoting less attention or a smaller budget toward draft scouting and preparation, Jones makes repeated mention of resource theory. The implication is that the Suns have a finite amount of resources and, in his words, quote-unquote, can't do everything. (laughs) And then another quote, the constraints are not financial, he says. We will continue to intentionally build a group that can excel at identifying the modern player as the NBA continues to evolve. Artemis goes on to write, the Suns have a total of 14 people employed in basketball operations, including Jones. For comparison, the LA Clippers have 14 people alone in their scouting department. Jones says he maintains a smaller staff as by design. And that's the part of this where you read, like, is it by design? Is it, are the restraints financial? There was one quote that Jones had after exit interviews where he said tax concerns don't even luxury tax like the word. It doesn't even come up in their meetings. And it's just like it's hard to believe that. It's hard to believe it's it's that deep, you know? Where it's like, oh, we don't have to worry like luxury tax, what? No. Just... So again, that is an unanswerable question from this, but even Arnovitz himself, you can tell he asked about this, and he again, because that's the number one thing you speculate when they do this. And again, we got a, an incredibly in-depth internal view through Arnovitz's piece. On the outside, we see them sell their G-Link team. We're like, well, <laughs> that seems like a money move to me. Uh, so we don't know. I said there's a part of this story that got me mad, and I was slamming on the table earlier talking about two-way players. Uh, that wasn't the time. I, I will not, after the reporting thing I talked about last week, I'm not going to like talk about what this piece is and what it isn't and, and all that kind of stuff. What I will say 
is that this piece does a great job of glowing up the Cam Johnson pick. And then this 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 story, Kev. <laughs> this story talks about at length. It even says in here at some point. I will scroll here and find it again. We're going through a, a long list. The Suns look with a John John Diced eye again, like idiot, not John an idiot, Dist, but, yeah. but I'm an idiot. A jaundiced eye on a one and done prospect. Jones believes there's precious little to glean from watching an 18 year old player in his sixth career game during a Thanksgiving tournament in person. Yada yada yada. On and on. A lot of this in the story. At the very end of the story, like we're 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 deep in. They talk about the Jalen Smith pick. Finally, they finally get there. <laughs> you know who they don't mention after that? Who Artemis does not mention? Jalen Smith, Tyrese Halliburton, or Tyrese Maxey, or Sadiq Bay, Desmond Bay, or Peyton Pritchard, or Emmanuel Quickly, or Isaiah Stewart, or any of the other. I mean, it's a list of a dozen guys. Tyrese Maxey is especially one where everything that this story, if I was looking for one example to counter what is set up in this story, which I would include in said story, again, editorial thought, just mine. Idiot, not an idiot. Take it for what it's worth. Tyrese Maxey, on a playoff team, found a way to get minutes, played through them as a rookie, was okay. He was impactful in stretches, but it was like, you are a rookie, you are making mistakes a lot. You're not really a point guard, but we're giving you the ball. And then he goes in his second year, he gets played as a rookie, and you know what, Kevin? It it benefited him quite a bit, because then... He was the only guy who could do anything with a ball in his hands on this team. <laughs> a team, Kevin, that had James Harden on it in yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. And Tyrese Maxey was the guy doing stuff with the ball. Not James Harden, the future Hall of Famer. Tyrese Maxey. The freshman playing sixth game on Thanksgiving. That guy. Tyrese Maxey. So for them to not mention this in the piece or, yeah, here we go. We talk about the Jalen Smith pick. We talk about what the is- Cam Johnson pick. There, there was a third pick they made. Mm. They made a pick in the late first round. Who was it? It was Ty Jerome. Who was the next guard taken after Ty Jerome? Ooh. Oh. Ooh. I don't know. Jordan Poole. Oh, yeah. Really relevant guy to bring up in this story, especially with the current aspect of his now he played on a bad Warriors team and got chances early. The Warriors, though, I would argue, that would be an excellent time in this piece to again bring up Jonathan Kaminga. Oh, Jonathan Kaminga. For the Warriors this season incredibly raw everyone can see it a mile away but played well for them was impactful for them during stretches where they needed it the same way in which the Suns talk about JaVale McGee or Langston Galloway and each one more season they ago. somehow knew about that guy even though he's playing in the G League they knew about him filling in patches for them during the regular season did he make the playoff rotation no but if Jonathan Kaminga goes on to be a really great player or that at least extends a championship window by or at least a solid player. Now, the Warriors were fortunate enough to wind up with these picks while they also had this core. That's not my point. My point is, Jonathan Kuminga is in the exact type of scenario all of the players the Suns are talking about not even looking at. So if Jonathan Kuminga turns out to be good, like a good rotation piece... Kevon Looney good? Draft pick? Late draft took pick? seven years and was a raw freshman when he came out again. If it turns out to be good and important later on, then the, again... W-R-O-N-G. Black and white. Wrong. Wrong. Also about being cheap, by the way. If you're going to be cheap, getting rookies is a good way to be cheap. Using second round picks, undrafted guys, two-way players. Cheap ways to find that diamond in the rough. And again, even if your resources are finite, fine. If you only want to scout the ACC, then only draft out of the ACC. But like, my whole thing about is, this is about preparation too, if, let's play a theoretical real quick where it's like, okay, the Suns really want to get rid of DeAndre Ayton. And I'm just saying that for to get to the point of, mm-hmm. if some team's like, just give us DeAndre Ayton, anything you want, and they were like, okay, Pelicans, you do have the number eight pick, or some was like, what if the number three pick, who is it, Rockets? It was. What if they today were like, we'll give you the third pick for DeAndre Ayton somehow we have a sign trend ready. And the Suns really wanted to get rid of DeAndre Ayton. 
Would the sons be prepared to know what to do when the draft started? In the five minutes today, where the Rockets were like, "Please, we," and they didn't talk before this. Would the Suns be like, "Yep, we got our board. Jabari Smith is on the board. We we're taking him. Let's do the deal because we really like it. We really wanted to get rid of DeAndre Ayton. Like, would they be prepared to do that? And that's what this story makes me not know. Would they be like, "Oh crap! Like, is Jaden Ivey good? I don't know." And that's what, like, kind of rings to me. Like, I don't know if they know what they would do in that situation. Someone just gave them a pick, basically, for something they wanted to do. And that's what that article... It There, there are nice ways to make it look like they just look at it completely differently. And I get, I get it from certain aspects. But... I got a lot of, I don't know if this team would know what to do in a lot of scenarios. And the Jalen Smith scenario is another one. He didn't fit what James Jones said about, what was his list today about how they fit in? Sure, let's say they, he... If you look at the combination of fit, skill set, talent, need. Fit, no, didn't fit. Skill set, no, didn't have skill set. Talent, no, need, no. They did not have that in line at all. That is on the strange list. It's probably number one. How does the Jalen Smith pick make sense based on everything that is said here? Made no sense. No, none. I have no idea. It made me. It made more... sense. Maybe he's a good kid and works hard. And they we got in character. That's about it. We got a thoroughly detailed outline of what their draft strategy is and it made the jalen smith pick 15 times more confusing and it's wild because like i don't even know if he's a bust yet like i don't know if he's gonna be but for a number 10 pick i don't think he's necessarily just like oh that was awful i'm cutting us off we could go for three more hours like i said we could go they're in like it to to put a bow on it this is not this is not as wrong as I'm making it sound like. I just wanted to use wrong as an example to emphasize that this is not correct. Certain elements of this are just not right. They're not just daring in new ways to do it. They're just incorrect. With that being said, the way that they approach the draft and James's overall mindset with his collective scouts in front office on yeah. players is sound because, to a certain extent, because... Peyton Watson, who played 12 minutes a game at UCLA, I'm I have not seen much Peyton Watson. Again, not Aaron Holiday. No one did. But. Aaron Holiday test. I, I I saw him on the floor for what 27 minutes against combined against Arizona, probably. So didn't see him that much. Didn't pass Aaron Holiday test. So I was like, oh, who's that guy? No, didn't do that. That guy went 11 picks after EJ Liddell, who just has NBA skill sets, and that is to me the whole EJ Liddell point that I made of he has NBA skills right now. These guys don't have any. Why is he going before these guys? That is part of the thought there, which I agree with to a certain extent. Yeah. But it's just going to this level that is sometimes ludicrous in my eyes. Purposefully ignorant is how I would phrase it. Like you don't, it's almost like saying, I don't want to know about certain guys. I don't want to know their potential. What can they do now? And it's hard not to go back to money at the end of talking about this because if you spend $4 million on pick 45 and you take one of these 19-year-old or 20-year-old kids, you take one of the draft and stash guys. Yeah. And you just get it. You pay money for him. You get him out there and pay him some more money and see if he turns into an NBA player while he's overseas for two years. Or have one international scout just find you, like, go find as many guys in Europe as you can who are nba level athletes great guys um might have to develop and if they happen to develop and we draft them and burn our pick on it because again we're building a championship team and you just find that diamond and we have rights to him then we'll pay him if he's that good or you don't have to pay him another way to be cheap but it's just like a avoiding easier cheaper ways to get better which doesn't jive with winning or saving money you could pay 
two-way players. They paid Landry Shamet without seeing him, and that was the guy who they could have gotten, Herb Jones or Ayo DeSumo. You could pay the two-way guys to just go sit on someone else's G League team and just see if something happens there. Yeah. You could just do it, but, <laughs> but they do not. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. Um, I, again, just to put a bow on it, not something I'm outwardly negative about. It's just there are very there are upsetting things from a, from a logical perspective here um, that drive me crazy. With, I was going to give them credit. They hired, what, Patrick Matumbo, who... Like his job has been development in large chunks of his career, so I was like, "Oh, they're maybe like gonna go get a young guy. They have a good teacher who's been on the Raptors, who develops guys better than most teams in this league." But, I'm sure. I'm sure it's just gonna be excited that he's around. Um, but no, it's just everything about the article that makes it strange is also what makes it frustrating. So it's just it's more frustrating than anything. From the way that it is constructed to that and it exists to the reason why it exists to how it is we should have asked James again, Jones to what how, said in it how how does that make you feel do you think the article is good do you think it he'd probably say nah yeah again he's he smiled and he smiled and laughed when he started talking about it so I just I I don't think that turned out the way that they thought it uh, particularly would that's just my two cents on it anyway weird draft development last night Vegas knows all Paolo Bancaro's odds for the number one pick go from he's a decent long shot to be the number one pick like plus 400 600 something like that where it's you're not going to get crazy good money if you bet on it but you're still going to get a good amount of money and then he goes to the favorite last night which as Matt Moore pointed out on Twitter follows this stuff on Action Network better than anyone Either two things happen. One, like there's intel, and he's like, he's going number one. Or two, there are people hammering on Bancaro to hammer on Jabari Smith. We wake up in the morning, and Jabari Smith is the heavy, overwhelming favorite again. It's like, what happened there? That's weird. Uh, Paolo Bancaro went number one. (laughs) So those people hammered on Bancaro last night, and then they probably hammered on Bancaro in the morning even more when it shot that way, and they made a whole lot of money with their intel. And shout out to those. We salute those people. Holy smokes! They they had they had a good... and then when Woj starts tweeting thirty minutes before the draft, they it, just went on lockdown and were like, "Oh my god, what's happened?" They had a good thirty six hours. The main thing that I cared about in this uh, draft was Jaden Ivy not going on the Kings. I really apologize <laughs> to Tyler Drake, but it is the Kings first of all, and second of all, Darren Fox, Davion Mitchell, Sabonis just not a good fit for him at all. He goes to Detroit where he's playing with another ball handler so he doesn't have to do everything. And Cade is the type of guy where he can actually be the primary initiator of an offense. You still wonder if Fox can. I mean, Mitchell is kind of obviously more a secondary guy anyway. The fit you would have liked for uh, Jaden Ivey was at six with a guy named Tyrese Halliburton who used to play for the Kings. But uh, that, that, that doesn't happen. He goes to five and then uh, Detroit also picks up Jalen Duran, who you mentioned. Very athletic, screen setter, diver, does some short roll stuff. Uh, I really liked Detroit. I was curious to see what Portland did. It's a really weird situation where Mike Schmitz, it, everyone knows what Mike Schmitz loves because he has been writing about it for the last five years and been covering some That's of these true. guys four or five years. And everyone knew that he was a Shade and Sharp guy. Uh, Portland took Shade and Sharp at seven. Uh, apparently they had, I, I read this afterward, but they had a workout with him where Schmitz was there, Dame was there, other members of their ownership and front office were there, Chauncey Billups, the head coach was there. After the workout, he canceled with number eight, who was New Orleans. Uh, that's where Dyson Daniels went. We talked about him a little bit on the pod last time. Just You probably want him off ball, but if you're off ball, you got to be able to shoot. The jumper is going to be a huge thing for him. But C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and a, if he's healthy, Zion Williamson will dominate the ball anyway. So he just needs to be more of cutting, defense, smart passing guy. And if he can shoot, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch him and Herb on defense. And it's a pretty great fit for him. I couldn't imagine a, uh, one that could have worked out much better for him. We mentioned Sohan at nine already. Johnny Davis, I was I was in my top three. We mentioned last podcast for Fitz. Washington is like, if, if Brad Beal stays, it's cool. But if he's got to do everything on a terrible team, I don't Where like are we it. on whether that like report it. about Brad Beal leaving is real or not? No, it's not real. Okay. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Oklahoma City. My my goodness, Kevin! They took Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams, the Mad Men. Hey, Kevin. Yeah. 
Is there something going on with rookie deals right now that we're not talking about, no one's talking about, and we should be talking about? What's that? I don't know, because OKC just added four rookie deals, and they have like 10 on their team already. I looked through their roster and was Forget like rookie deals. that's a guy on a rookie deal that's have, a guy on a rookie deal that's a guy on a rookie deal that's a guy on a rookie deal as you point out they have like 20 players right now or something like <laughs> they have way too many guys but i think lou dort and kenrich williams were weird second round picks two-way guys where they had like certain kind of things uh, fall another way oh kenrich williams another nba player who was on a two-way deal lou dort another <laughs> NBA player was on a two-way deal uh, sorry that's going to be a thing for the next like couple of years now i gotta be honest it's not going anywhere um they they have all these guys like it's like okay Ty Jerome Trey Mann Josh Giddy Isaiah Roby like it just goes on and on with these rookies or second year third year guys and then they just added four guys so I was like is there some like Illuminati theory here that the cap goes up incredibly in two years and it's going to be a luxury for them to have all these guys on rookie deals and all of a sudden rookie deals are going to be like the currency in the league to help teams with salary cap space or I forget when uh, the thing locks in though it might be again far, far enough down the line. Sometimes I'm not an idiot. This is a time I'm being an idiot for sure. But I'm just like, again, like Houston is incredibly young already with a lot of young guys. And they just have more like, I thought some of these teams would trade picks, but they're like, no, we'll take Jabari Smith. No, we'll take Ty Ty Washington. No, we'll take Tari Eason. But what if you have that many guys? If three of them pan out, you can trade for superstars or things like that. You know, another reason why it's not a bad idea to take prospect guys is that that just your thing like it's kind of like we're going to take nine guys in the first round over the next three years maybe two of them will pan out and if three of them are great we're good two or three are great summer role players okay so you wind up with chet holmgren they traded in a trade we still don't really know the details do because again protected picks uh to get ushman jang at 11 from the knicks knicks fans were miserable the whole night because of it (laughs) And because that a lot of the reporting out of New York led them to believe that the Knicks were trying to trade up Shout for Jaden Ivey. Sorry, Gibby. Tough stuff. Uh, and then they also got... Who else did they get? They got someone else, right? Uh, Jalen Williams. That's right. Yeah, they, yeah. Got, they got Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara and then Jalen Williams out of Arkansas. Jalen Williams, a guy out of Santa Clara we talked to a lot about. Ball handler with a lot of promises to score. Jalen Williams is the big out of Arkansas. Took like 50-plus charges last year. Smart. Uh defensive offensive player can pass a little bit and then after that man i I don't know i I was not surprised to see the grizzlies take guys like jake larabia and vince williams because the grizzlies always seem to their front office and scouting department seems to always align with what draft twitter is thinking about and just the consummate blog boy draft opinion like (laughs) someone like me has because i loved vince williams talked about him last episode and he i thought he wasn't getting drafted because he was raining 60s or 70s he he goes 44 i think 47 guy in the mid-second round there's a, there's a mid-second round guy just saying david roddy 23 i don't get it is this going to be our scotty barnes take from last year or i'm just like scotty barnes at four what and then it turns out he's an amazing he's got to be player. jared dudley did you get the walker kessler thing when you watched auburn i didn't get it no i get it i get it as like the luca but garza pick but i don't went, get it where he went is fine Okay, see, draft, that's what I, I don't get. I think it's like a Luca Garza thing where he should go like second round and just get. Yeah, but I, th- I don't know. I don't know about this draft, man. I obviously didn't watch as much, but I don't get it. Um, shout out Taylor Griffin. Shout out Robin Lopez. Shout out Isaiah Mobley, the worst brother of Evan Mobley. I don't think Isaiah will disagree with me. No shots intended to him or the country of Estonia. The best moment of the draft was Desmond Bain and, Desmond Bain yep. and Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick Perkins live on TV, jawing back and forth on Twitter with an NBA player who he compared Trevor the oh boy the the NBA <laughs> comparison on the ESPN broadcast. First of all, Giannis came up for Chet Holmgren. It's like yeah, his comparison is one of the thirty best players of all time who still has over half of his career left right now. Who doesn't have a size twenty five waist? Sorry, Chet, but Trevor Keels went in the forties. Um, again, one of those guys who Jay Bayless is talking potential, upside. He can he uh, great athlete. Got compared to Desmond Bain just because he's got big shoulders. He's a big, strong tank man. Uh, Desmond <laughs> Bain tweeted 
like Trevor Keels. <laughs> and then Kendrick Perkins tried to defend it, and that led to Kendrick Perkins being called Santa Claus and Kendrick Perkins saying, I do not deliver presents. And then John Morant claimed Kendrick Perkins was drunk. And Kendrick Perkins is on live TV tweeting at these guys. And then Malika Andrews just like subtly shouting it out on the broadcast. Bless her. She's the best. Buddy, to close it out, we had a great night as supporters of our Arizona Wildcats. I did not expect... It hurts that Christian Coloco was three picks away from getting a four-year guaranteed deal. Yeah, Not a four-year guaranteed deal. I know they're... They have zero centers. A guaranteed deal. He should be good. To your point, Benedict Mathering goes six to the Pacers. He gets to play with Tyrese Halliburton now... Also, to your point, that oh, you they made, have a not lot on this of podcast, guards. they so have so like, many guards. They have fourteen guards. T.J. McConnell, Buddy Heald. They also drafted Andrew Nemhard. Who else are we forgetting? Malcolm Brogdon, who's going to get traded. Buddy Heald. Did I Duarte? They have Chris Duarte as well. That's so seven the perimeter NBA guards is we mentioned. Loaded. They need to make some moves. But you look at. We assume Brogdon's gone. Yeah. Like Buddy, off-ball shooter, kind of, sort of. But like you run a lot of stuff for him. Halliburton's on the ball a ton, and they used him as primary initiator. He averaged nine and a half assists or whatever. Uh, and then TJ runs stuff. Nemhard runs there. stuff. Yeah, Ben is a guy where I was worried he was going to get drafted somewhere where they have him run a lot of stuff. And then it kind of just... Didn't. I like that because it allows him to develop faster, but I don't like it because it throws off his sliders and the balance in his game would adjust in, in too poorly because he should be more of a shooter than a ball handler, but he should still be a little bit of a ball handler. But now he's playing with Tyrese Halliburton, who's going to put him in all the right spots. Indiana just seems like it's been in a great place for player development the last couple of years anyway. They've had a lot of really good cases. Duarte is one, for example. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens with Jalen Smith this offseason. But if he goes back there, he could be another one. Miles Turner worked out well for them. DeMontis Sabonis worked out well for them. They got Malcolm Brogdon in a trade, but he went on to play the best basketball of his career there before injuries kind of started really bugging him. Dalen Terry was the one where I ran through the 20s with you like two hours before the draft, and I was like, oh, yeah. It's not the Rockets. Oh, yeah, Denver. Oh, yeah, Memphis. Oh, yeah, Miami. Oh, yeah, like all these teams, great. He goes even earlier. He goes 18 to the Bulls. Celebrate out Lolo's chicken and waffles. Congrats on that decision. With Just, your boy Kirk Reese, a huge Kellen Olsen fan. Was there. he there? Yes. Oh, he's in the city. <laughs> That's concerning. Be careful when you go outside. Oh, Not only was it God. raining. God, I'm still so sad about that. I'm going to be so sad about it for a really long time. I, I guess you're 30, on the high of Mikel. Thirty second story for those of you that didn't see it on Twitter. I tweeted that if Cam Johnson gets dealt for tax relief because of the report we talked about before. I'm abandoning, I said, uh, I'm moving off the grid and I'm going to a small fishing village in Estonia. A couple of people pointed out to me correctly that it kind of does read like a dig on Estonia. I did not intend it to be, but you can <laughs> interpret it that way. Someone in the replies, I believe, just said, wrote Kirk Kreese's full name. He's from Estonia. Again, subconsciously described Estonia. Nothing yeah. to do with him. And then he tweeted, uh, watch your words, big fella, yes. or something like that, with a period at the end, too, which that's, <laughs> that's an extra bit of sass right good. there. You got to watch out there. I immediately, I didn't see until like four hours later, because he's does have one of those Twitter accounts where it'll like, it'll like pop up in my mentions. Um, Not even verified. So then I replied and said, no shots intended at all, Kerr. <laughs> Seems like a lovely place. Bear down with three exclamation points. It's really positive. Not a favorite, not a reply, nothing. The point guard of my team probably hates me. Mikel Bridges said he'll move with you. So when you get relegated there. I'd rather have Kirk Reese and not hate me. No shots, Mikel. <laughs> Fired at you or your fishing abilities that Monty Williams has roasted in the past. He wouldn't. I would have to carry our business for sure. That's from what I've heard. Dale and Terry goes to Chicago. Um holy weird, smokes in terms fit, of it, it is a awkward fit but then you zoom in also, on it and talk yourself into it for 30 seconds and you're like okay for a wiry guard like him how many better veteran like mentors could he have right now than demar in the league yeah like is he going to become a mid-range maestro because demar is on his team i'm not saying that but demar is just he is book in 10 years probably where just all the players worship him and just think that he is the absolute man. Book speaks of him like so highly, and it's just 
he had one of my favorite quotes of the season. Patrick Williams told Bulls beat reporters, like unprompted, that he got fined for showing up to a practice late. And DeMar DeRozan was asked about it, and DeMar was like, he told you guys that? And then he like facepalmed and was like, God, come on. <laughs> I, I'm going to talk to him about that. Like, he can't be telling you guys that. <laughs> it's, it's like, yes. Great stuff, DeMar. Uh, and then Patrick Williams, Ayo Desumu, like wreaking havoc defensively. The way that they play offensively, a lot of cutting. Like Javante Green works on that team, and he doesn't work on a lot of teams probably, but he works there, and that's kind of the role that he's going to have. And they need another dribble guy. And the best part about Dalen is he plays like a crazy out-of-control dribble guy, but he doesn't really turn the ball over and just makes a ton of smart decisions and gets a lot of assists. He's going to work out there. And then Christian Coloco, 33, to the Raptors. Um, Nick Nurse talked about how much more zone he's going to play, apparently, (laughs) which no other coach has ever said about a draft prospect ever in the history of the NBA, I'm sure. The most Nick Nurse thing that has ever been said. But he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to like have him sit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about that one. Shout out to Jay Billis. Cited the Oregon game that we've talked about, which is he was switching on to dudes no problem. He did that all season, just looked fine. So whatever Toronto wants to do, I think Christian will be at least adequate at it defensively. And that then team I th- is already like the longest long boy team. It's not yeah. a longer long boy team. You can just like the hedge and recover aspects with him, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Van Vliet, and Anobi if, if he's there. Like that's that's crazy. Like I I said this defense is gonna be sick, and then after I tweeted, I was like, I tweeted that like he's gonna start right away, and I was like, he might start right away. Like he just might start right away. Again, I, I think he's really good in his rim protection finishing. It's like what else is he good at? And it's like, well, if he's a great rim protector and a great finisher, he doesn't really he's, have to be good at anything else. Longer Chris Boucher, more athletic Chris Boucher. Longer Chris Boucher, uh stronger Chris Boucher, not as like sound finesse wise or with a three point shot. The thing is, if he shoots threes, he's going to be incre- like a, a extremely good center. If he doesn't shoot threes, he's still going to be a competent center because, again, he can move his feet, and yeah. he can really move in transition. Nothing else really stood out to me. New Orleans at 41 got Liddell after getting Dyson Daniels. Uh, yeah. I want the beef boy lineup immediately with Zion at the 5 and EJ Liddell at the 4. Beef boys. The beef boys. I want to see it. I think yeah. that's it, though. Pelicans have had a couple good drafts in the last few years, man. A.J. Griffin's one of those sneaky ones to Atlanta where, like, two years from now, we're like, how did they get him exactly? Like, they've got DeAndre Hunter, Jalen Johnson, and him on the court at the same time. You know what? Here's another, I don't know what you want to call it, but a mm-hmm. rule where, no, if you're a son of a famous basketball player, I don't trust you necessarily. But if you're the son of a famous basketball player and you go to, like, a blue, bu- blue blood program like Duke... I feel good about it. I don't know. There's no other example, so I could just be making... I am making this up. But I feel good about it. There's got to be an example. Oh, we don't have time to sit here and think or scroll through. We've had a long night. No, we don't. The A.J. Griffin rule until now. Until we'll we'll, we'll figure it out next week. Shoot us your ideas if you have ideas. I fly... My flight is in uh, 12 hours to go to Chicago. I am sick. Got the good seats. I, I splurged, buddy. I'm flying first class. I don't got to worry about no leg room over here because I haven't literally had a vacation in three years. So, yeah. I am going to. I'm really excited. Uh, if you're hearing tell us, this, tell us what what's your number one most excited thing that's happening at the. I don't know what you call Kazuchika Okada. Okay two words the most beautiful man that has ever existed he is so (laughs) handsome and he is probably the best wrestler on planet earth uh the thing about this the show is that a month ago the wrestling show that i'm going to that is featuring a bunch of japanese wrestlers um it's never happened but it has happened before but not for like 20 or 30 years where an american company and a japanese company come together um the thing about this show is I, I got the ticket six weeks ago and we didn't know who was going to be on it. We had an idea, but some guys got hurt, which which sucks. Um, like Daniel Bryan who is a name I'm sure you've heard of, at least like John Cena or whatever. Daniel Bryan's hurt. He was supposed to be on the show, but now he's not on the show. But Okada didn't even show up until this week on television to like be like, I'm on the show or whatever. Ooh. So I was nervous he wasn't going to be on it, but there were a lot of other guys already on it. I was super excited anyway, but he's on it now and he's... Maybe my favorite wrestler, so to see him is great. 
super excited to do river and, and park stuff around there too there's a lot of like great stuff to do in like the area of chicago that i'm staying in if you're listening to this and know of chicago things i'm going to tweet something tomorrow like before my flight takes off for like food wrecks and oh yeah anything else you want to recommend around the city in july oh so you can Four double down them. on this yeah great i've been told um like there's like like one of the river cruises for an hour or whatever do one of those there's like architecture stuff you can do too yeah um, I'm, I'm pumped. It's like 70 degrees there and raining and it's like, yeah, <laughs> yes. Rain and it's 70. My wife's cousin was in town and she said, it's, it's a lot worse in Chicago because of the humidity. And we we're just like, no, it's not. Can't be. Can't be. I think it is with like 10 or 15 more degrees. Like I experienced in new Orleans and Dallas. Uh, but no, it's, it's, it's a little bit cooler there than those places, but it's still humidity sucks. I, I agree is, with your yeah. wife's friend, but not to that extent. Also, I can't have that because, like, I need to wear a hoodie for my own sanity. Like, you know, you know how much more happier I am with a hoodie on. You've seen this over my years. Yeah. All right, everyone. We hope you're happy when you have your hoodie on in the freaking like six months. <laughs> if you're in Arizona right now, if you're not, good for you. Put your hoodie on tonight. You deserve it. We will be back. I, I guess next week. I, like, I get back Wednesday, so it's not like I'm gone forever. I get back Three. on the 29th. Uh, or close, no, but... I get back on the 28th. 29th is like my first day back at work and then the 30th at 3 p.m is again they haven't officially announced this yet which is nuts it's a week away but everyone is assuming the 30th 3 p.m moratorium lifts as i've talked about everywhere and and david has brought up a ton our australian correspondent like they can't trade and sign sign and trade all that stuff you can't do that but this should happen quickly or if it happens slowly it might mean that he's DeAndre is saying. We don't know. You're going to have some stuff up on the side about like backup point guards, backup centers. <laughs> Guess who doesn't care, <laughs> Good Kevin? luck, buddy. This guy, because he's on vacation. All right, buddy. Good seeing you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Like I said, we'll be back next week. And then from there, again... If we're busy, Kevin, that's a good sign. Good sign. So uh, everyone listening, root for us being busy. Not this weekend, though, because I'm on vacation. <laughs> Bye.